0: The reading today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting at verse 14, and you can find it on page 1002 of the Church Bibles. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believed the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat. Preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, Cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching, and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. Fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Tim. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have Mark's Gospel, uh, a record of uh, the life and the words of Jesus. And we know, Lord, that this isn't just an historical record. We believe that these are living words, words of God, words that speak into our lives today. So, Holy Spirit, come these words, enliven them in our hearts and our minds, and help us see you in a fresh way this morning, in Jesus' name, Amen. We're starting a new series in Mark's Gospel, uh, exploring more about what it means to be a disciple, a disciple of Jesus in 2020. But first of all, I would like you just to imagine that you are walking beside the Sea of Galilee, if it helps you. Close your eyes as I describe the scene. You're walking on the shore of Lake Galilee. It's a warm spring day. You can smell the fragrance of spring flowers and hear the sounds of the waves gently splashing on the pebble beach. The sun is glistening on the water. You walk over the wet pebbles and dodge the incoming waves. In the distance, you can hear the sound of local fishermen calling out to each other. Ahead of you is a man who's walking on his own. He looks purposeful, striding ahead of you. Suddenly, he stops and so you stop too and watch. He's looking intently at a group of men fishing. The men are standing knee-deep in water, throwing their nets into the sea. The man ahead of you calls out to the men fishing, come, follow me, he says in Aramaic. Then something extraordinary happens. The men leave their nets floating in the water, and without even looking back, follow this man. You might want to open your eyes again, just in case you drop off. (laughs) But have you ever thought, what was it about Jesus that led these ordinary working men to respond to the simple invitation of Jesus, come follow me? As we begin this new series on Mark's um, Gospel and, and thinking about discipleship, we're going to th- be thinking more about that call, Come, Follow Me, and unpack a little bit about, more about what it means. And particularly, we're focusing on these first two verses this morning. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. It's a phrase that we often use, isn't it? It's the right time, or the time has come. It's the right time to leave home and get my own place. It's the right time for me to apply for that promotion I've been putting off for so many years. It's the right time to start attending a gym and lose some weight. It's the right time to get married. There is a right time, isn't there, to do certain things in our lives. The minutes pass without us noticing them very much. There's a slight echo on this, can I go down a little bit? But then there's a moment, a moment to act and then everything changes. Now, you all know that originally the, um, the, 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 the Gospels were written in the Greek language and the Greek language has two words for the English word time. Kronos means the passing of time, and it's where we get our word chronology from. And kairos means a decisive moment in time. So Mark could have used either of those two words in this verse to describe that that the time was right for Jesus uh, to start talking about the kingdom of God. But he chooses the word kairos, Mark is saying that Jesus coming into Galilee was a Kairos moment. It was a decisive moment in time, a strategic opportunity for Jesus. Have you noticed that everyone always wants to have more time? We all complain, don't we? Because we haven't got enough time to do everything that we need to do and we want to do. But they say, you can make more money, but you can't. Make more time. But Jesus knew how to use his time. And he was going to use his time to proclaim the kingdom of God. But is this just history? Or is God still at work in our in our world today? The Apostle Paul in 2, 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The truth is that Jesus continues to call people to follow him. He has given us that message to go and share with others, to call others to follow Jesus, to have that Kairos moment, a, a moment when everything changes. I wonder whether you've had that Kairos moment. The second part of the good news we see is That the Kingdom of God is near. Now, we live in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland at the moment, anyway. Its full title refers to the political union between England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. So, we're familiar with the word kingdom, and we understand it to refer to the political alliance and the geographical area uh, where the four countries which make the UK are found. But when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it's not referring to a geographical area. It's referring to rule or sovereignty or reign. It's about rule rather than realm. And to be part of God's kingdom is to know the king, to have a personal relationship with Jesus the king. And that kingdom has subjects all over the world. Membership isn't restricted to one particular geographical area. It's not even restricted by time. The kingdom is here, but it's also coming. And members of the kingdom of God are those who've responded to Jesus' words, come, follow me. And like those fishermen, left their old ways of life and followed Christ. And did you notice how Mark talks about Jesus being in a different number of contexts as he proclaims the good news that the kingdom of God has come? He starts by doing it in a public place as he enters the province of Galilee. And then he does it in the workplace. Lake Galilee was actually a workplace for these fishermen. Then he goes to proclaim the message in a synagogue, in a religious place. And then he's invited into Simon Andrew's home, where he demonstrates that the kingdom has come as he heals Simon's mother-in-law. So Jesus models for us that we are to be ambassadors in the public as well as the secluded places in the workplace as well as our homes. You see, Jesus was ready to meet people where they were rather than expecting them all to come to him. Next Sunday, um, as Phil has already prayed, we're starting a new gathering in the part of our parish uh, across Fishergate Hill, which stretches over to Marsh Lane. There used to be a thriving church over there. Some of you may remember it, may have even attended it. Christchurch was a a huge Victorian building which could seat up to 800 people. It was knocked down in the 70s or the 80s, I think. Uh, Part of it was preserved to be the chapel, which you can see um, next to County Hall. And it's been our vision over the last year, 18 months, to see a congregation established over in that part of our parish. A worshipping, witnessing, serving community of disciples we want to replant what was once there. And some of you remember going out and praying and planting bulbs in the uh, flower pots around the streets there. Uh, and as we prayed that God would grow something new in that part of our parish. And particularly, we've been praying to meet people of peace and somewhere to meet. And there aren't many options um, of where we can meet in that part of our parish. Um, but one day, I was in the Race Cafe. There's a picture of it here on Bow Lane. You may know it if you're familiar with Bow Lane. Um, and I had a cup of tea there. And, the, and uh, the, I went to go and pay for my cup of tea. And the owner said, no, you don't need to pay. I said, why not? He said, because you're, you know, from the church. So I thought, right, this is my moment. <laughs> so I said, um, explained that we were looking for somewhere to meet um, for a new congregation from our church. And uh, he said, I said, could we use the cafe? Could we rent it out? And he said, well, you could do so, but only in the afternoons and definitely not on the evenings or on Sundays. I said, okay, no problem. We'll look somewhere else. Then he said, well, I guess I could trust you. I could give you a key. I didn't quite believe what he just said to me. So a week later, I went back just to check that this was still on. And I wanted to ask him whether we should pay for the use of the building. And he said, "Oh, that's a tricky one. Mm, He said, "Um, in terms of... mm, that. he said i tell you what um if you charge everyone a pound for a cup of tea and then you put all that money aside and then you give it all to the church so it, what was extraordinary about that was we found a man of peace and also a place all in one so we thank god for that man and for that answer to prayer and our prayer is that the kingdom of God will grow through our services at Race Cafe. as That people might know that the kingdom of God has come near to them, where they live. This is a new venture for us. So do please pray for it. So the good news of Jesus comes at the right time. It's about the kingdom of God coming near. And the next part of Jesus' message was repent. Why did those disciples turn round and respond to Jesus so quickly? Why did they leave their nets? Why did they leave the security of their jobs? Why did they leave a job that they knew so well, that paid well, and a thriving business? And uh, why did they leave their families? What was it about Jesus that made people respond to him? Well, in the next few verses, uh, we're introduced to a series of events which reveal to us something about who Jesus was. In verse 21, we read that he goes to a little village called Capernaum. You can still visit Capernaum. It's an historical site on the, on the, on the edge of um, Lake Galilee. Some of you are nodding. Some of you have been there. Um, it's not a place that was particularly well known at the time. It was just an ordinary fishing village. Um, and the day that Jesus was there was uh, the Jewish holy day, the Sabbath. It was an unlikely place and an unlikely time for Jesus to reveal who he was. But it's not the time and the place that's important as much as what Jesus does. Once he finishes teaching in the temple, the people begin to murmur. He taught as one who has authority. And then a man with an evil spirit cries out, What do you want with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus says to him, be quiet, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Jesus tells the spirit to be quiet and then says, come out of him. You see, it wasn't just the people uh, on that Saturday morning worship time in the synagogue who recognised who Jesus was. It was the evil powers as well. You see, once you get to see who Jesus really is, you recognise and you see his authority with which he teaches, the the words that he says. And you realise there's a call on our lives to change. And the word that we use is the word repent, repent. And we can see that's an important part of the good news that Jesus came to proclaim. But the word repent is often uh, misunderstood or misrepresented. So often we just talk about it as a kind of a guilty feeling about something we've done wrong. But actually it's much more than this. It's about recognising the tendency we all have to push God out of our lives, to navigate our lives without him. To repent is to stop, to turn around and go in the opposite direction. It's to change your way of thinking. It's to to, to determine to to come under Christ's rule in our lives. To become a member of his kingdom. To get to know him. The singer Bob Dylan, who I think made the greatest gospel album, I'm just a bit biased, uh, that was ever produced, he wrote a song about this. And he said, going to change my way of thinking, make myself a different set of rules. That's what repentance is. So if repentance is about rejecting an old way of living and following Jesus, what do we replace it with? Well, the good news is also about believing. What are we called to believe in? We're called to believe in the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that through his death and his resurrection, we can become reconciled with God the Father. But, you know, sometimes we get lost, don't we, as Christians, in jargon. And uh, we start using all these words and nobody outside the church really understands. Uh, did you notice, though, how Jesus spoke to the fishermen? His promise to them and their future job description is in words that they will understand. He says, I'm, I will send you out to fish for people. That wouldn't make much sense to a tax collector or a farmer. But the fishermen got it. They knew exactly what Jesus was calling them to do. Because he spoke in a language that they understood, not just Aramaic, but in words that they understood. How do we communicate the good news of Jesus? Is it in words that people can understand? You know, you might think, I'm not very good at that, I'll leave that to other people. But as we've been hearing, as Anthony's been talking, uh, sharing with us this morning, God has equipped us to be in the posting that we have as his ambassador in the situations we are in, with our family, in our workplace, in our community. You know, we've got the words. We know how to explain because we live in those situations. And God wants us to be his ambassadors in our everyday situations. However, it's often the next step of coming into church which can be difficult for people as well. Often we create obstacles uh, for people belonging um, and being part of our church families. And it used to be uh, that you had to, before you could belong to a church, you had to believe everything. You had to sign up to say, I believe this, 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 and then you could belong. Well, fortunately, we've changed in the last few years. And now people recognise that you can belong before you believe. Um, and uh, during the week, I, I run a growth group for our brothers um, who've come from Iran and other countries um, uh, in other places around the world, and we what we do on uh, Tuesday morning is we look at what the passage is going to be for Sunday morning, so that they're better equipped to understand what's being said. And I find it really useful because I get a chance to run through what I'm going to say, and they ask questions, and it makes me think. So we both gain from it. And um, I asked Mohammed, one of the guys, what was what was it that made him respond to Jesus? Uh, why was he prepared to accept the good news of Jesus, um, knowing that what it would cost him potentially? <laughs> having to leave family, even leave his country. And I share his story with his permission. He said the first thing he experienced when he went to church... Now, remember in Iran, when you go to church, it's not a building like this. It's into somebody's home. There are no buildings like this. Church happens in people's homes. And to go to a house church is risky because um, you could have police spying on that property and you risk potentially being arrested and being imprisoned. There's a huge cost going along to one of these house church. But he went along because he wanted to find out more. He said the first thing he experienced when he went there was he felt good. I said, what do you mean you felt good? He said, I felt happiness. I felt a joy that I hadn't experienced before. You see, the first thing he experienced was a sense that he, he was welcome there, that he belonged there. And then as he continued to attend, he learnt where this peace comes from. He learned about Jesus being God's son, the way to know the Father. He's paid a heavy price for his Kairos moment, but he knew his time had come. He felt God was near. He went on to learn about who Jesus was. He repented. He believed. But before he got to that point of believing, he'd been welcomed, and he'd sensed God's presence among the Christians he met. So how do we do church? Do we say you have to believe before you become part of us? Do we communicate the idea that you have to talk like us, dress like us, look like us before you can belong? Or are we meeting people where they are? Are we doing that in our everyday lives? And as we try and do that in Race Café, we're trusting God that he'll give us the words to say and the right attitude as we welcome people. And we're praying that many people through Alpha, through Race Café, will have that Kairos moment. When everything changes, that people we see see that the time has come. Their time has come. That God's kingdom is near, and that they will respond in repentance and belief. Stop and turn around. Commit themselves to Jesus. May that be the experience of each one of us here this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for Mark's gospel. And just these simple words, Lord, which speak to us today, help each one of us to hear your call to follow you, Lord Jesus. Help us be ready to to leave what we're hanging on to and to follow you, to own you as our king and to get to know you and to share that good news with others. Help us, Lord, as we do that in our everyday lives. Help us as we do that in Race Cafe, as we do it in Alpha. Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit to empower us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close.